Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, October the 26th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism, and we're on page 37. We're going to be reading and commenting on the third paragraph that begins in some circumstances and ends the terrific consequences might be. Today's readers, and thank you for your service in October, the uh, 12 Steps, Laurie C., The 12 Traditions, Terry J., readers of the text, Nancy C., Christine C. G., and Dara L. Our newcomer greeter is Kathy M., and our second-hour host is Janice P. M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, October the 25th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,554. That's 19554. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10, excuse me, 19,555. That's 19555. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lori C. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Lori C. from Virginia. Can you hear me? Yes. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made, a direct, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to make personal, take a personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, 
praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual waking as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Laurie C. And I'll now ask Terry J. to please read the 12 Traditions. Hi, this is Terry J. in Michigan. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. It's been my pleasure to serve for the month of October on Team Wednesday. Have a great day. Thank you, Terry J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To press, to share, excuse me, to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 37, the third paragraph that begins in some circumstances. 
and ends the terrific consequences might be, and comments will be on that one paragraph. And Nancy C., will you please begin reading? Oh, thank you, Lisa. My name is Nancy C. I'm gratefully recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan this morning. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we're obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Well, this is my favorite uh, way to um, eat compulsively, the justified anger. Oh, eat at somebody. Um, this is different than what we've been talking about, or in my opinion, it's different than what we've been talking about with um, Jim and the man of 30, because there is no premeditation, right? There's no that lurking notion of maybe I might not be doing something so smart. It is, you would eat too if you had my problems, or I need to have something to eat, or I need to have something to drink because I am so angry. And then, without even thinking, I was in the food. And how many times did I go into the food with that mentality with no thought, like it says in the book, of what the repercussions were going to be or what the results were going to be? Because I didn't care. I just wanted that ease and comfort of that bite, that first bite that just made everything go away because I was powerless. I had no other way to handle those feelings. Um, the only thing I knew how to do was to shove them down and move on, no matter how bad I wanted to get out of where I was. Today, I am so glad that, you know, it was like me walking around with this plug that I didn't know where to plug it in because I had no power. I was powerless. Today, I have learned by admitting complete defeat and surrendering to this program that I have a plug, I plug into you guys, and I plug in and I get that power because God has helped me find him, and through him found you all who have gotten me to live happy, joyous, and free today. You know, today when I have the feeling angry or worried or depressed or jealous, we're taught the 10 steps. We know exactly what to do. We know that when we're disturbed, it's something within us. I know that it's something within me. I need to do an inventory, figure out what my side of the street is, and then get rid of it. And then share it with somebody who calls me on my spiritual truth. You know, am I being honest with myself? When I used to eat at problems, I would pull everyone I could find in with me to make me feel more justified and more in that mud and how we just have to keep on doing this. Today, I depend on you to help me say, you're off base, you're wrong, did you consider this, so that I can continue to keep my channel to God open, so that I can continue to serve others as well as God, and it's with the beauty of this program. I am so grateful that I pressed star one and said, I'm Nancy, a compulsive overeater. 
a couple of years ago because it's changed my life forever. I can't wait to hear what other people have to say. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy C. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back. And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Rachel Davlin E. Rachel Davlin. Nancy S. Nancy P. Reva P. Nancy S. Hang on, Nancy P. Reva. Tamara C. Carmela G. Barbara E. From New Jersey. Hang on, hang on. Tamara, Carmela. Let's stop with Barbara. Carmela G, Barbara E, I think you said Tamara. Okay. All right. This is what I have, and you'll have to remind me of the first initial of your last name. I have Rachel, Davilin, Nancy S, Nancy P, Reva P, Tamara, Carmela G, and Barbara E. So, Rachel, you're up, followed by Davilin. Thank you so much. Um, hi, this is Rachel Kay from the great state of Indiana. And um, yeah, this passage, um, it, I, I used to sort of balk against the idea of the mental twist because I thought, you know, by the grace of God, the last, the, the start of my last major, my last relapse was 23 years ago. And I have not had to get, uh, you know, face down in the food and compulsively overeat since then. But I remember it as clear as day. And it was intentional. It was, I, I can't hang on anymore. I cannot hang on anymore. I am going to go back out. I am going to binge. And I remember making that decision. And um, but that was a mental twist because, you know, I was not in, I was not recovered. I was not in a position where I had, because of course, at that point, I have zero defense against that first bite. I had no daily written 10 step, um, you know, like, uh, sorry to cross talk, but Nancy C, thank you for mentioning that. I had no God squad that, you know, I could reach out to and say, I'm going to eat. I, it was just me and the disease. And if it's just me in hand-to-hand combat with the disease, I am, it's not even a fight. It, it, there is no fight whatsoever. And what this program does for me, it gives me a relationship with power, with God that, you know, and, and with people that I have a safety, I, you know, I'm within a safe and protected armor um, that God and I set up together that, the food, the disease can't get to me. I'm safe and protected. Not that I'm going to fight it alone, but I'm going to be able to pick up the phone. I'm going to have written that 10 step or we'll write a 10 step and we'll have that ongoing communication with God because that's the only hope that I have. You know, even if I go out and say, I am, you know, this is not a mental twist. I am going to go out and and compulsively overeat, of course it's a twist, because who would knowingly walk into hell once again? Who would do that? Only an insane person. So, of course, it's insanity. So, anyway, this this passage is great. I got, you know, I've been reading this passage for 
since I was 15 years old and walked into these rooms. And never before has it really, really hit home, which just speaks to me of the miraculousness of this book and, and the fact that it's God inspired, that I could read something over and over and it means something to me, um, you know, more than ever, you know, for the first time. So anyway, hope that made sense. Thanks for calling on me and uh, I pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. And Davilin, you're up if you'll give us the first initial of your last name, followed by Nancy S. Good morning. This is Davilin E. Living gratefully and humbly in recovery in Manitoba, Canada. I thank the lead share so much this morning because it pinpointed my issue of incredible lack of humility. It pinpointed that thing I always binge deliberately because I decide that I deserve, I need, I want, I have to hide in the food. And thankfully for this program, I am finally recognizing my powerlessness and going to a higher power who gives me the courage and humility to reach out to all the recovery in this program who can tell me why I don't have it together that I am powerless. And this morning is perfect for where I am in my program. Thank you all so much for listening. I pass. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Devlin E. And Nancy S., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning. This is Nancy S., who is really coming off a major bender, or at least in my eyes. Um. I thought I had it together. I went out of the country for five days. And um, everything that was offered at the hotel for food, they were very limited on the hours, their food. Um, and I did okay for the first three days. And then after that, I just lost it. Um, but I'm trying to get back on track. Um, the only good thing I can say is I got a good lesson. Um I saw the whole thing. I saw it all right in my face, and I knew it. And I was basically like, F it. And just when you get home, get back on track, get back in your routine. And um, so that's what I did the first thing this morning. But boy, I'll tell you, I almost think I needed a lesson in just to see how shitty you can really feel in a short period of time. Because I do. And um, I'm just grateful for this program. I tried to get on meetings, but the meeting times were like 1 o'clock over there, and I kept getting screwed up. But I did make a couple of outreach calls, and uh, a couple people called me back. And I hope to God they had international calling on their phone, because I hope they could not end up with that bill. Um, so the little bits I was able to you know, hang on to, we're very helpful. And uh, thank you very much for all of you. Nancy S., Massachusetts. Thank you, Nancy S., glad you're here. And Nancy P., you're up, followed by Reva P. Hi, good morning, Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, the bottom line is that I didn't know how to stop. 
and I wasn't aware that I was eating deliberately because it didn't feel deliberate. I mean, you know, sometimes I'd be with my friends, you know, a friend when I was younger, you know, we'd at college, we'd get a bunch of junk food and eat, you know, and I was like always relieved when we did that because I could eat openly with my, you know, with my friends. But as I got older, it, it never felt deliberate. I mean, I, I've been in this program for decades and decades, and um, it never felt deliberate except for those odd times, maybe with my friends. And these paragraphs yesterday and today <clears throat> are talking about basically being surprised by our thinking and our actions. And all I knew was that eating made me miserable, and I was always miserable. And my life was full of catastrophe, and that only added to my misery. And the kicker was that not eating made me miserable too. It felt like the sort of Damocles was hanging over me. Always, I was never relaxed. And, you know, today I categorize those feelings as fear. And the fear has, it's like a spectrum. You know, I, I could be mildly worried and, or bone-crushingly paralyzed by fear. And, and that was like how I felt in or out of the food. And, you know, I was really between a rock and a hard place. You know, I was prey to my feelings. You know, um, I have a lot of rabbits in my neighborhood that I see in the morning when I walk. And, um, you know, they don't scan the skies and look for where the hawks are. They're they're like happily devouring everybody's garden, you know, happy as clams or happy as bunny rabbits. They're unaware that the danger lurks up until the point of being dragged off the ground with a set of talons and dropped on a hard rock so that they'll die and they can be eaten. That was like me. My feelings hunted me like prey. And, you know, prey is what is hunted to be consumed. And today my feelings and actions do not surprise me. My feelings no longer call the shots. They don't dictate what I say or what I do. I always have to act. I try always to act in a in a loving way it's that you know i have to answer that question every night in my 11th step inventory you know was i was i loving and um i know what i feel and what i do i know all the time and and the reason i know that is because i work really hard at my recovery not just around my food that the food part is actually the easiest thing to take care of um but i don't assume that my cover that my recovery is going to come to me it's not one and done i didn't go through the steps and say la 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 here i am you know i work hard really hard and I spent a lot of time on it and um, you know the the what happens is this magical chemistry that instead of spending all my time on my recovery I spend a lot of time but un- unbelievably it defies physics spending this time actually creates more time because I spent so much time thinking about eating thinking about not eating trying not to eat sneaking in eating you know, lying about eating, all that, like all that time. When I stopped doing that, all of a sudden I had all this time. I've taken up new hobbies or retaken up old hobbies. I just have all this time. And my life is packed full of wonderfulness and fantasticness and amazingness. And um, it all started with one word. We all know what it is because it's me. Say it with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And Reva P., you're up, followed by Tamara. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I so relate to this paragraph, and I still distinctly remember um, having a hard day at work, being really, really pissed at the woman I reported to, And I deliberately planned as I was driving home, or sometimes I was binging in the car as I was driving home. um, Yeah, I deliberately said, I am going to eat at her. 
that was my brilliant thinking. And I think this paragraph for me is just describing this notion of insanity, this lack of proportion, this inability to think straight, because it made total sense to me. Um, and this is, you know, eating to get the edge off. I'm angry, I'm worried, I'm depressed, I'm jealous, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, got to get the edge off, got to get the edge off. Now I cannot handle this emotion. I can't handle the discomfort. Eating is the best way to do that. That was my thinking. I didn't realize how insane it was until I got here. And you know, um, I looked at the word deliberate. Yes, it's intentional, but it actually has this definition of careful, you know, um, taking time to think something through. It wasn't really very careful. <laughs> um, I really didn't, um, you know, think, is this really making sense or not? Um, it was like reactive, um, reactive eating. So what do I do today when I'm angry, worried, depressed, or jealous? And, and people have shared about this. Like, it's still so miraculous. It's not magical, but it is quite miraculous. But if I keep the food down and I do these step 10s and follow it up with step 11, where I get quiet and ask God, so now what would you have me think, say, do, um, and focus on others and practice love and tolerance? I don't know. This is, this is like the opposite of a diet. Like, I'm not white-knuckled abstinent, you know, distracting myself because I'm all worried and scared. It just, like, poof, just, it's not there. It's not there. Um, so I don't need to eat to get the edge off. That's the miracle. Um, God takes the edge off. Um, there is no edge. Um, and yeah, it's that daily reprieve if I keep doing the work. Um, and it's just a reminder how miraculous it is because I couldn't bear the discomfort and now sometimes after a step 10, I'm still uncomfortable, but, I'm, but I don't need to pick up. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Tamara, if you'll give us the first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Carmela G. Good morning, this is Tamara C. from Missouri. And um, yeah, I'm grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater today. Um, this I, in my disease, there were times where I would tell myself I was justified by worry or whatever. Like my job is so stressful, and and eating helps me handle it. Um, but but for me, my experience as my disease progressed was that um, I just you, I just beat myself up about it all the time. I was really really hard on myself. And I knew that any justification I tried to make was insanely sufficient compared to um, the harm I was doing to myself. And um, I just knew that I, I just couldn't resist. I would tell myself, I would, I would fight it and fight it and shame myself and terrorize myself. What are you doing to yourself? What kind of person are you? You're not supposed to be doing this. And, and I would eat anyway and, um, and, and so for me, there was always this thought, always this fight. No, 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 don't buy that. Don't eat that. What are you doing? But it was never effective. There was no effective thought. And so I really related to that, um, the word compulsive. When I, when I heard compulsive overeaters, 
<clears throat> I just thought, yeah, this is such a compulsion. It's like I'm screaming at myself, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I, I can't not do it. Like when I was a kid and I, I would get um, poison oak uh, between my fingers and it would itch so bad. And I would tell myself, don't scratch it. You know it will get worse. And I couldn't not scratch it anyway, even though I knew I was making it worse for myself. And I thought, that's how it is with food. I just, I cannot not eat. And um, so finally, uh, finally, I, I gave up. I gave up. I learned in my uh, especially uh, miserable relapse that I had that I am powerless. There is nothing in me that can fight this. And um, and then I one thing that helped, <clears throat> I was given the prayer, God, do for me what I cannot do for myself. And so I prayed that constantly or some version of that prayer, and that helped. And then um, I found relief from my compulsion. It, it does get better. At first, you know, I got abstinent, and the tools helped me stay abstinent as I was white-knuckling <clears throat> and fighting. And then, um, thank you so much, God, that uh, the steps brought me this new relationship with my creator and a spiritual awakening. And now I don't have to fight the food anymore. And that's, it's such a gift. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Tamara C. And Carmela G., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for your service. And thank you for everyone on the line who was sharing, as well as those who are listening. My name is Carmela G., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. When I read this and heard the first share, it brought me back to prior to my going into program, and um, that's the important thing is that I don't ever, ever forget who I was prior to this program. And uh, for me, it's, it's been nine years, and I can forget, but this share reminded me of the Carmela, who I really thought I knew well and was so full of righteous indignation and anger and fear. And I had a family, a large family, who loved me, but yet I was holding them hostage for that love. It took working this program, this program of action and doing the inventory and finding out who Carmela really was and what that inventory revealed was I was full of fear and I wanted love. I wanted a perfect love. And through that, I realized I would go to work, I would be angry, I would hold in all my resentments, I would deal with others, they weren't doing what I wanted them to do, I would hold it all in, and in the morning when I'd wake up, yeah, I planned to eat, I woke up angry, who the heck wakes up angry? Carmela did, and I planned to soothe Carmela. I soothed her before she went to bed. 
with the substance, and I soothe her in the morning as soon as she woke up with the substance and all day long. Today, because I finally know who Carmela is, I go to bed and I'm full of peace, love, and gratitude. And I am so grateful when I wake up in the morning that I am allowed to open my eyes. And I ask immediately to give me the strength, the love, the kindness, and the tolerance to deal with whatever comes my way. And my day is usually blessed with so many gifts. And it's not even from people that I know. And the gifts I am grateful for on a daily basis and the love and joy that I have in my heart today has filled me that there is no need to shove that substance in to fill the hole. And with that, I pass and recommend only one thing. Feel the perfect love of a power greater than yourself and you will be able to get the strength to get through life's difficulties. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. And Barbara E., please share with us. Barbara, press star one. We can't hear you. Okay, I kept muting and unmuting myself. There you are. There, thank you, Lisa, thank you for your service. This is Barbara E., finally unmuted. And thank all of you on this phone call today who are participating in my recovery. From the time I was born, I had and I still have a a body problem that produces what is called an allergy and produces the phenomenon of craving for wanting more. I've got to abstain from the food that causes this obsession. And once I eat just one piece of chocolate or cookie, it activates the craving for more. And I'm in hell again. The consciousness that created my problem can't be the consciousness that solves my problem. So surrender was the magic word. And food can't be the answer. My daughter's allergic to lobster. If she eats it, she has to be injected with an EpiPen and brought to the hospital. So she never eats it, but she has a true allergy. But for me, and perhaps you, it's different. I know one piece of chocolate will lead to a whole box. I know one tablespoon of ice cream will lead to a pint or a half gallon. I won't need an EpiPen and be rushed to the hospital because that's a different kind of allergy. My allergy centers in my mind. If I know ice cream causes me to want more, why can't I just leave it all together? Because I'm an addict with a broken brain and I can't stop even when I want to. That's what obsession means. I do what I want to do even though it will cause consequences that are dangerous thinking thinking that it'll be different this time. I have no choice. 
My so-called willpower is not enough. I forget the consequences of a week or a month ago and get on the hamster wheel again. And eventually a sliver becomes a slice, a slab, and you know what the next is, a slob. I had so many insane justifications for my need for food, but I know I need a power bigger than me or my sponsor or the group to save me. But it took a long time for the certainty to travel from the book to my head and finally my heart. My recovery hasn't been linear, but it's not how many times I got knocked down. It's how many times I got I got up again to fight for my freedom from bondage. And that's what I wish for all of you. Freedom from bondage from this killer disease that wants us suffering. Thank you, gentle people. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And this morning, welcome to everyone. Um, so glad you all are here. And we are on page 37 of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism. We read the third paragraph and comments on that one paragraph that begins in some circumstances and ends the terrific consequences might be. Who else would like to share this morning? Debbie V. Debbie? Sarah R. from New York. Sarah Rivka, R. Rivka R. from Baltimore. Rivka. K.S. from North Carolina. I think K.S. Lauren, Lauren N. from New York. Lauren N. Who's after Lauren? Barb W. Barb, Barb w. w. Andreas B. Andreas. Okay, that's w. a great lineup. Who was the last one? I missed somebody. Okay, this is what I have. Debbie V, Sandra R, Rifka R, KS, Lauren N, Barb W, and Andreas B. I hope we can get to everybody. Um, Debbie V, Debbie you, V, please. Sorry, you said Sandra. It's Sarah with an S, not oh, Sandra. I'm sorry, my, Sarah. My, okay. gran, my grandmother was Sandra. <laughs> okay, Sarah. Okay, Debbie V, you're up, followed by Sarah R. Thank you so much, and thank you to the team. And hello, visionaries, dear fellows. Um, gracefully recovering, Virginia, WV. This, to me, the last few paragraphs are the equivalent of Dr. Silkworth's, the doctor's opinion. So I, I get the whole thing about the phenomenon of craving and how abstinence is key for me. And then it's imperative that I pick up the steps and the principles in all my affairs and work them with diligence. These last paragraphs are showing me the twofold nature of the malady, of the disease, and that's just thinking. And I have countless, countless evidence of, of my brain rationalizing my ego. I, I believe it's the ego, the survival in me that has convinced and has presented cases that are, I could write sitcoms on this. Um, I don't need to entertain myself with television. I just need to go into my mind and listen. And that's what I do, and that's what I want to share. So the hope is, what do you do when sirens, when the, when the, the food is calling? 
what did I do early on? My sponsor had me do positive contrary things. Had me in department stores picking things up and doing acts of kindness for others, get, getting out of self. But before even that, and that was just a discipline. So the big book tells me that I'm undisciplined. So I accepted that. So what's the discipline? Well, the discipline is watching the thoughts. And that in, in my step 10, that, those are the lies, the dishonesty. What is the ego stating? And then I could work with that and take it into six and seven uh, after I go through the process of my step 10 and then sit in reflection and, and clear out and get further direction, good orderly direction. And that's the hope, and I want to say that there's so much hope, and I'm so grateful to be recovered in Virginia in this day. I don't count days anymore. I just am present in the moment. So thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Debbie V. And Sarah R., you're up, followed by Rifka R. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Sarah R. in New York. Thank you to everyone who showed up and to everyone who is being of service. Um, this has been such a beautiful meeting, and some of the earlier shares really woke up um, aha moment with me. You know, it's funny, in a lot of the self-help books, it always starts off with some author being in a horrible place and then just having this this wild spiritual awakening or aha moment, and I'm literally zooming to work <laughs> on the LIE, and I just had this moment from the, the last few ladies' shares. So it's so interesting, right, because I work in construction and, 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 and consulting and real estate, and we have a concept called interim control measures, which means that let's say there's a lead problem in someone's house, Sometimes you have to really go dig deep and take care of the problem. And other times you just paint it over, encapsulate it, and um, it's, it's just for the meantime. And um, I just realized that the concept of my food was my personal um, interim control measures, right? Uh, if I needed to numb my life, if I was happy, it's kind of, it, it was kind of like the oxygen I breathed, but it was just, it was always there. And it was always meant to serve a purpose. You know, one, one lady was saying she used to wake up angry. I used to wake up fuming because why? I was so angry at all the things that people did to me. And I always felt like, you know, the concept of terminally unique. I felt I was terminally unique. There was no one like me that, you know, I felt I could never express myself. So I would find myself repeating myself all the time. I felt like nobody got me. And this concept of being in program, right, and it's not even about the food. It's interesting. I did have the food as those control measures, but it's the solution, right? We, we, we read that little paragraph, but there is a solution. And it's so funny. I never thought I needed a solution. I just thought, like, there has to be something complicating, severely complicating, to help me put down the food. And... You know, someone else mentioned that she doesn't count days. I'm not about the days. For me, I'm just about, I have to wake up, have to just be grateful and, and offer myself to my higher power and see how I could be of service. And the acceptance 
section, I think it's on page 417, you know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. Who knew? I came in because I wanted to lose some weight, came in for the vanity and left with the sanity. So, you know, this, this, this is such a great meeting and I'm so happy to be here. And you know, what's even interesting, there's other things in addition to program, it's kind of hand in hand with program. Um, you know, like when we're doing our COVID test, yes, I'm going to close up. When we're doing our COVID test, we have to like pour some water without the water or the COVID test can't necessarily be accurate. So along with doing the program and following through, I have to just make sure that I'm, I'm sleeping properly. And so many of my life's problems also has been fixed with that. Thank you so much to everyone who shared and to those of service. And with that, I have a great day. Thank you, Sarah R. And Rifka R., you're up, followed by K.S. Hi, good morning. Uh, it's Rifka R. from Baltimore, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. So my, my life from my earliest days was always paired in my brain with food, no matter what I was doing. Um, when I learned to read, Heaven was a, a, a good book and a bag of candy. Um, I made a decision, a deliberate decision when I was 17 to always have something sweet in my mouth every waking moment because that was the only way that I knew how to live. Um, Balancing my checkbook had to be accompanied with a bowl of popcorn. Like any activity was always paired with food. And, of course, I would justify eating, you know, if I was nervous or angry or anxious because I had no other solution. Or I would eat for no reason at all, just because it was the only way that gave life color and made me feel alive. But this this paragraph is telling me that once the food is down and I work this program, that I can have serious and effective thought, which is something I never had before. Um, I can know what really gives life color and value and meaning, and that's my relationship with God. I looked up the word effective. It says capable of bringing about a positive influence. My my insanity, my 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 thinking was so twisted that I thought the only thing that gave a positive influence on in my life was food, and food that would destroy me. I mean, obviously, I need to eat, but I don't need to eat food that's going to destroy me. I mean, that's that's an insanity. So I just wanted to express my my gratitude today to have be able to have serious and effective thought because God gives me the power to have that serious and effective thought and to be able to think of horrific consequences and to be able to be like someone said surrendered you know that surrendered to my reality which is that in order to have serious and effective thought and a life that is really filled with color and meaning and and true life that that's only through working the steps in my relationship with God. So thanks for letting me share, and have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Rifka R. And K.S., you're up, followed by Lauren N. Good morning. This is K.S. I'm recovering in North Carolina. Um, wow. Going out deliberately to do this, that's really what it was all about for a long, long time. Uh, when I was very young, food uh, overeating started as sort of an entertainment. Um, and then as I 
uh, went through my life and was in a lot of unhappy situations and unhappy marriage, then it did start to feel like, well, I'm, I'm justified. I, I'm, my life is miserable. And um, so that went on. And then, you know, at, at some point, I think I got so cloudy in even how I was feeling because probably because of the food, uh, there was just this sort of mindless, uh, eating and uh, this denial of, of any consequence, even though I literally ate all, my way to over 400 pounds. And um, so it, as this went on, I think the progression went to what I, what I feel like was emptiness. I would just eat. There was, there was nothing else to do. Um, finally succumbed to weight loss surgery, thinking that was the answer. It did help for a time. Um, and since then, uh, I've in and out of um, binging, dieting, um, realizing over the past year being on very strong appetite suppressants that my obsession was so strong and I had just this deeper realization of it and I had a deeper realization that it was progressing, uh, that this was getting crazy. I didn't even want regular food anymore. I just wanted garbage and you know, process stuff, and I really got afraid, and I thought, this is, you know, I, I don't have any soul anymore other than this food obsession. Uh, so I came back to OA, and, uh, you know, I'd been in and out many times over the years, um, but this is the first time I ever really get that this is an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. The allergy of the body part before just never registered with me, and so when I have been able to put down the food this time since I've been able to do this, everything's shifted. Um, they are, there's a new sense of a higher power. Uh, I haven't been back for that long, just a couple of months, so I'm really just a baby again here. Uh, but these promises are, are starting to come through. All these words in the big book that you also wonderfully share and that I am able to read every day. They're happening. I'm not doing it. This is happening to me. And I know it's because of uh, this new budding relationship with my higher power and all of you and your service. And I'm just so grateful for this program and have so much hope today. Um, and thank you for all your service. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, KS and Lauren N. You're up, followed by Barb W. Hi, it's Lauren N. from New York. Um, I'm back, thank God. You guys have been carrying the message, and I've been ignoring it. I picked up um, some, let's say, last spring, and I've been struggling since then. And boy, could I relate to this paragraph that we read today. Um, but even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. I forgot what always happened. I forgot that within two months, two and a half months, I had gained 40 pounds. I forgot when I go out and I eat a little bit of sugar, I can't stop. I forgot that it takes months and months and months of praying and working and doing all this stuff to just get a little bit of sobriety and not back to what I was. 
Thank you all for reminding me that I can have this back. I know what I did in the spring last year. When I picked up, I walked away from this beautiful place, not knowingly, but now I look back and I realize I knew exactly where I'd end up because I'd done it so many times before. Yes, I'm still 130 pounds down, but it was much, it doesn't matter about that. The poundage is not the problem. It's what's in my head that's the problem. And the food called me for the past several months and still does. And it basically means that I haven't found the entire abstinence that I had before I picked up. Thank you all for reminding me and for keeping me sane or for helping me get there again. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lauren N. And Barb W., um, you're up. And Andreas, if you'll hang around um, till, the, till the next hour. Um, I think, Barb, you may be the last chair this morning. Good morning, everyone. Barb W., gratefully recovered in Illinois. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, everyone, for participating, for being present, for doing service today. And the shares have been incredible. Um, insanely insufficient and and undisciplined that would be me um i wasn't serious or effective in my thinking or in my doing until i could put the food down and i looked up justified and i i go to a legal thought but then justification in printmaking is lining things up lining things up so that you can make more of it um There was never enough. There was never enough. I would wake up, I would wake up not not feeling there was enough. I wasn't enough. It wasn't going to be okay. Much like Carmela saying earlier, just waking up angry. I I just woke up in a def, at a deficit always, always. So putting the food down to be able to work the steps before I would I, the nervousness, anger, worry, depression, and jealousy. I would create more of that because that's what I was lining up with with my um, insanity, with my insanity, but working the steps so that um, I can grow closer to my higher power and um, my sanity is brought back to me by working the steps and serving. The opposites become true, much like the ideals that um, come forward, nervousness. I, I have calm and patience. And instead of anger, patience and loving and worry, I've got trust. I'm given trust, depression, happy, joyous, and free, and jealousy. I'm not jealous. I have gratitude for what I have. And that's sobriety of food and growing. And, and I'm so grateful for this program. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Barb W. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, this morning, Wednesday, October the 26th, 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,564. 
That's 19564. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Christine C.G., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come, but if your own... if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.